This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Hey, Parshas Emor. We're talking about a Pusik that has some weird things to it. It says in Parachav Beis Pusik of Dalanu, When talking about animals, different types of things that might have happened to that area of the body of the animal. You cannot bring any of this stuff to HaKadosh Baruch None of it can be brought to Hashem. And here's the line. In your land, you should not do this. Now Rashi says this command of is referring to castration or neutering any type of animal, whether it's a behemoth or whether it's a chaya, whether it's a tar animal or a tame animal, anything like that, whether you're in Eretz Yisrael or in Chutzlaretz, even though it says the word Ba'aretzachem, all of this is going to be us, so you can't do any of this. That means, simply put, you cannot cut off any part of that area of the animal itself. The Moshe of Zikanim goes into why we paskin like Reb Meir over Reb Yelizabeth and Yaakov and Reb Yossi. Normally, Reb Yossi always beats Reb Meir. Normally, Reb Yelizabeth and Yaakov, his Mishnah is Kav Normally, go with them. But here we go with Reb Meir, since Rava holds like him, and an Amora always beats a Tana when it comes to when the Amora comes along and seems to paskin like one or the other. Even though the Pusik says the word Ba'art Sechem, which sounds like the only time that this wouldn't be allowed, would be in Eretz Yisrael itself, nonetheless, it can't be, because this is called a chovasaguf. The idea of not neutering an animal, right, not being able to neuter an animal, is obviously a chova on the animal itself. It has nothing to do with Eretz Yisrael, nothing to do with the land itself that you're on, and therefore, it must be that it's commanded both in Eretz Yisrael and in Chutz itself. So what does the Pesach mean by in your land? What's Ba'art Sechem referring to? Why does it say that? It includes all animals that live in your land, any type of animal that might live there, no matter what type of animal they are. Targum Yonasan translates this Pusik as well. All of the Rishonim say it as well. That's the idea behind it. Now, Shabbos Kuf Yodimabes and Kuf Aleph also brings down this prohibition in reference to a human being. In other words, that the idea of castration slash neutering a human being would also be included in this. So you wouldn't be able to stop yourself from Puravu, which is strange. Because seemingly it's talking about animals in the Pusik. It says the word Ba'ar and the Gemara's Drush. This is where the Gemara gets its Drush from. And again, you need a, a Tana and a Mora to make a Drush like like this, it's ba'artzechem, mikem, of you yourself, you can't do this as well. Not only cannot be done in the land, it can't be done by you, and that's the idea that refers to human beings as well, that even human beings would have this issue. Now the Rabbeinu Bechaya says the word ta'asu, it says ba'artzechem lo sasu, means the opposite of allowing someone to do something. Normally the word ta'asu means you should do something. Ba'artzechem lo sasu, you shouldn't do something. Over here, it means you cannot, you cannot allow it to happen. That's the idea behind it. We'll see this word in a couple other places. For example, when Noah got drunk and allowed himself to either be whatever Rashi says happened to him, whether it was castrated or sodomized or whatever it was, whatever ended up happening to him, the wording used was Asher Asulo, that they did to him, or that Asher Asulo, that Canaan or Chum did to him. And again, the Asa is more like causing Noah not to have children again. That's what the Asa is over there, says the Rabbeinu Bechaya. And so too in Mishle, Parak Vav, we see a similar line. Mavshchis Nafsho, if you try to destroy yourself, Hu Yaaseh, you do something that's so terrible it, it sort of destroys your soul. You're destroying yourself. You're removing yourself from the ability to do something good. That's the idea behind it. So Tasu is not necessarily doing something, but rather taking away an ability to do something. And that's what this idea is. The Ibn Ezra says, the reason why we're not allowed to do this, and you're not allowed to castrate a neuter, etc., an animal, is because of a simple thing. He says, and listen to this wording. 
You shouldn't change Maisei Hashem. You should not change anything made by God. If God gave the animal an ability to be molded, you cannot change that. You can't be involved in that. That's a very strange line from the Ibn Ezra. In Sefer HaChinuch, Mitzvah number 291, he explains it. He doesn't mention the Ibn Ezra, but I think it's the same vein, the same line. Sefer HaChinuch says, the reason for this mitzvah is because a Kaddish Baruch who created every type of creature with a purpose. There was a purpose for every type of creature. Remember, we're not dealing with species here. We're dealing with genuses. There are genuses of animals that are out there in the world for a reason. If that creature would cease to be, there's something missing in the world. We no longer have that purpose. We no longer have that thing in the world. It's so important to keep them all alive. By doing this to an animal, by being mesaris, an animal, and not allowing the animal to have puravu, you're causing one of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's plans to go corrupt, so to speak, as if it's not going to be there. You're making something missing in the world. That's why you can't do it. And the idea is, if Hashem wants it, allow it to be. Allow it to be together. And that's the concept. Yalkaruveni says, from the Zohar, Sirus was created by the Yitzhahara. That the concept of what Sirus is, is created by the Yitzhahara, that there shouldn't be more proper propagation in the world. There should be. We should have more of everything in the world. There should be marba as much as you can, right? Even when it seems necessary, he says the concept is there. Now, conceptually, that's the idea behind it. The reason why you wouldn't think this is a problem, the reason why you'd say to yourself, I don't see what the issue is over here, is because castrated animals, any animal, like an ox, a bull is obviously an animal that has the ability to be molded. A bull can be together with a cow and therefore have calves, etc. An ox is an animal that was castrated. You never do work with a bull. Now, I'm no farmer. I've never been a farmer before in my life, except that one time. But like, I, I really don't know this is that so much. But oxen are supposed to be able to be used because they're not crazy. Bulls are crazy because of whatever it is that it has in its system. And it, it wants to be together with a female. That idea, it can't concentrate. It can't do anything possible. The best animals for working are the ones that had sewers done to them. So you'd think to yourself, listen, I'm going to be able to take care of this by having this animal, one male animal that'll take care of all the females, but I need the oxen. I need to do work. How am I going to be able to do work? I can't do work with these bulls. The bulls are too crazy. What am I supposed to do over here? So you'd think that would be good enough to use it as a korban. Maybe I can use it as a korban once I do that because there was a real reason behind it. There was a purpose behind it. Puzzle tells us, no, such an animal cannot be used as a korban and you can't even do it. You wouldn't be allowed to have it even though it's easier for work. It's based on the sforno. Then it's see that on, give me one second, then see that's on, that even if you do it to fatten up the animal, if you end up doing serious on an animal, the animal will naturally get bigger. It'll get fatter and stronger in many ways. That's what ends up happening to the animal after you do serious. So you think that's even better. I should bring this to the base of Mikdash. It's bigger. It's better. Maybe that's something you should give. Comes along our, our Pusikin says, no, I don't care. Even the value shouldn't be used for the base to make those. That's the concept behind it. What are you going to ask, Brian? According to the Sefer HaKanuk, is it a problem maybe to own an animal because you're isolating it from... From other animals out there? Yeah. We're going to talk about being mamela, like keeping it from an animal as opposed to actually doing serious to the animal itself. So we'll talk about that as we go on. The Panim Yafos also asks this question. This is not flaw. And he says, it should be obvious even without the Pusik that serious is forbidden. You can't cut down a fruit tree. If you're not allowed to cut down a fruit tree because it's giving off fruit and Hashem wants these things in the world, then certainly you shouldn't be able to cut off the ability for an animal to bear its fruit. The Conceptually, it's the same, right? I mean, you're dealing with a fruit tree and you're dealing with an animal, seemingly it would be the exact same thing. But 
the Taz says, there are times when he can't cut down a fruit tree. There are times when a fruit tree could be cut down for certain reasons. If the value of the land is worth more or if something is damaging, etc., then you can't. So maybe Cirrus would be mutter, just like a fruit tree, if it's necessary, if I'm gaining money, if something else would happen to it. For example, it fattens up. It's better for work. Maybe then I would be able to do Cirrus. Comes the Pusik and tells me, no, you can never do Cirrus. No matter what, you cannot do it. That The idea behind it should go as it goes on and on and on. It would, even though it didn't necessarily apply in the midbar itself, it would apply in the future when it was going to be there. Yeah, Ruth. Um, the fruit tree, the only way you're able to cut down a fruit tree is if, like, it's... Well, we already mentioned the two ways, two ways from the Taz. For money? For money if you have more money from what's going to be without the fruit tree, yeah. Okay, so that's that. Torah Tamima suggests that we need Kiyam Amin, and every person is chayv to do the part. Destroying these Ivarim is taking away part of the world, similar to how the Ibn Ezra says it. Now, here we go. There is a Gemara Chagiga, Daf Yud that says there were four very great men who were on such a level, and they all lived at the exact same time, they were able to reach the level of Pardes. You've read this Gemara before, right? It's a famous Gemara. They reached the level of parties. Parties is shot remez drush. So they went up to the orchard of a Baruch who said it be Ganeiden. Tosa says they used the shame to go Lamalo. Rashi has a shot. They went to this level of understanding that was beyond everybody else. Four of them. We all know Rabbi Akiva came out unscathed. Benazai looked too far and he died. Ben Zoma looked and went crazy. And Elisha Benavuya looked and he went off the derech. He was Kitit Benetius. He thought he saw something that he didn't. He became Akar. That's what ended up happening over there. There's you know, a, a crazy Gemara that comes after this. After it goes through all four of them, it then says they asked a question to Ben Zoma. They asked the question to Ben Zoma and they asked this question. They said, can you do Cirrus on a dog? And Benzoma said, this Pasuk, You are not allowed to do it to any animal in your land. He answered with this. And then they asked him another question. The other question was, Can a Kohen Gadol marry a Basula that had a baby? If a Basula somehow had a baby, can a Kohen Gadol marry her because she's still a Basula, but she had a baby? Do we assume that a, a Basula can still have a baby or not? Is there something called Shmuel, Chayshinu Lida Shmuel? Are we worried about what Shmuel was able to do? Or do we assume no one is able to do that so he can't? So again, he answered that question as well, but that's not going to be the concentration of what we're talking about right now. It's strange. First of all, why would they only ask him about a dog? This halacha is true by anything. It doesn't just have to do with dogs. You can't do this to a, 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 a bull. You can't do it to a cat. You can't do it to any animal. So why do they specifically ask Mahu Lisruse Kalba? Why do we have to do to a dog? What's the Pshat behind that Gemara? So the Torah Tamima, Reb says, either that was the Halach Lamaisa, there was a dog, they wanted to make sure that it wouldn't give birth, they wanted to be Mesarise, so they were Mesarise the dog. That's what happened, and therefore it just happened to be the Halach Lamaisa case. That's what they were dealing with, that's that. That's one answer that's given. Another answer that's given is that dogs are so tame. Dogs are such tummy creatures. We talked about dogs not too long ago, about them, even Jews owning them, etc. We said that they could. But dogs are so tummy that even their chalifin, even the exchange of a dog, the mechir kelev, is also to bring to the base of Mikdash. So they said, you'd think you could be misaris them. Because normal dogs you couldn't do this to. But these dogs, these dogs are disgusting. Maybe you could be misaris dogs. That's the thought process behind it. You'd think you could, kamashmol, and even that's also. So Torah Tumima says they specifically asked about a dog, either it was or because dogs you think are mutter, but they specifically ask. But that doesn't answer the obvious question here. Why is this brought up in this Gemara, where it goes through parties, and then all of a sudden they went up to Benzoma, and this is what they asked? 
Why would you ask this? Why would you ask anything to do with this? And then for him to answer with what a weird question. And then to go on and be like, oh yeah, what about a Kohen Gadol? What, what are you asking? Is it to prove that he went off? The, the, the guys asking the questions are weird, not the person answering it. And Benazi was, Benzoma was right. He went crazy, but he was still right halakhically. What's going on here? So the Meashiloch, the Ishbitzer, has a, a derech. And uh, to my mind, and again, I, I'd like someone to correct me on this. If someone has another shot in this Gemara, I'd love to hear it. I have never heard another shot in this Gemara. And I've searched for years for this. And I even, when the Mesiftas came out, I was like so happy. I'm like, oh, they for sure have shot. There is no shot in the Mesifta. And if the Mesifta doesn't have it, I'm pretty sure it doesn't exist in the world. But I found a Meashiloch that asked this question. The Ishbitzer asked this question and answers it pretty well. He says the following. He says, this is a discussion that they had after he went insane. The question was, what did Benzoma do to deserve to go insane? How is he not Zoha, like Rebbe Akiva, to get up to the level where you could see and not be bothered by it? Or better yet, to not see and not have to worry about it. What happened to Benzoma that made him go insane? That was the question that they asked. How could it be? So they never saw him do anything questionable. They never saw him hit with any problems. So they didn't think he really did anything. So they asked him, hey, can you be Misaris a dog? What they meant is like this. Did you ever make fun of God's creatures? Being misares, he says, means being mislotzates on something. Making fun of it, scorning it. Like, you don't need to be in the world. It's so to speak, if we want to put it in like, I guess, like other terms, it means that you're, when you're being misares a creature, you're saying this creature doesn't deserve to be here. So you're making fun of it. You're scorning You're saying, ah, this doesn't mean anything whatsoever. Did you ever make fun of any animals, even a dog, they were asking him? Did you ever do that? Did you ever look down at other creatures and say that maybe that's your sin? Maybe that was the hate that you looked down at other people, at other animals, and you said you're greater than them. And therefore, when you came to that level, it, you weren't good enough to get there. To that, Benzoma answered, that was not my issue. My issue was never about being Misar as a dog. That was never an issue of mine, never a problem that I had. That's not my issue. After hearing that, they went in a different direction. Let's go in a different direction. Were you, if you were a coin Gadol, could you marry a Basula that already had a child? They were asking. Have you ever considered yourself higher than anybody else? Did you think you were greater than anyone else? Number one was a misuse of the terms of gaiva and by looking at other people and looking down at them. This idea is to look at yourself greater than everybody else. Did you think of yourself to be greater than everybody else out there? Did you see yourself as something special that other people didn't necessarily see in you? What kind of koach did you have? And I, I, I guess the concept, again, he answered, he said, no, that wasn't an issue by me as well. We're not choshesh for shmo. We're not choshesh that somebody would be on that level and think that way. So no, said Benzoma, that wasn't the issue either. But they did find the answer. Right after both those Gemaras, it says that Rabbi Yoshua was walking and he saw, he saw ben, Benzoma, he was standing, and he said, Benzoma, me ayin ayin Benzoma, where are you coming from? He didn't stand up for him. Benzoma didn't stand up for his Rebbe's Rebbe. So he said, well, where are you coming from? To which Benzoma said, I was trying to see the difference between the Mayim Yonim and the Mayim Atachtonim. The difference between Shemayim and Mayim, or whatever that means, where the, the, so to speak, if the earth was flat and where the Shemayim would hit the water, whatever that means, Kabbalistically, I was trying to figure it out. And I saw that there was like three fingers worth. There was a difference between them. And Rabbi Yoshua said, eh, he's gone. Benzoma is absolutely gone. You know what's gone about that? Benzoma didn't see the heaven kiss the earth. 
he didn't see that there was a connection between Shemayim and the Mayim, that it was Mamish touching, like a hair's breadth away from each other. They're literally touching one another. He thought that there was three fingers in between. The problem that Benzoma had is that he didn't know how to connect the spirit. And again, we're talking about Benzoma. We're talking about a person who was able to go out to parties. I'd like everybody to just take a deep breath here and be like, okay, I'm obviously not saying like, what a fool. That's not what I'm doing here. Benzoma was awesome. I wish I could be Benzoma, just not the crazy part. I wish I could answer these questions that everybody was able to ask Benzoma. Benzoma was able to see and think like, there's a difference between them. There's a difference between Shemayim and Aretz. And Shemayim is this and Aretz is this. Well, if you think that way, then you can't go up to Shemayim, see things and understand what they really are. Shemayim has a counterpart on earth. That there's everything that's happening down here has a counterpart in Shemayim. There's no difference between Shemayim and Aretz in a way. And in some ways, the Eretz is even greater than Shemayim. That we have abilities that even the Malachim don't have. Ben Zoma didn't see that. When Ben Zoma didn't see that, that was his problem, and that's the way. And the concept is, Rabbi Akiva went up there, and he saw a whole thing of marble, and it looked like it was water. And he said, when you get up there to Shemayim, don't say, water, water. It's not water. It's completely stone. I'm going to give you as a timeout. Again, this, so I'm just mentioning this. Everybody's seen Indiana Jones and uh, the thing with the, when they went for the goblet. Which one was that? Temple of Doom. Temple of, thank you. Was it Temple of Doom? No. Well, Temple of Doom was when they had the beating heart thing, wasn't it? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, it can't be Temple of Doom. That was really quick, though. I don't know. What are the other ones? The one where we went for the goblet, okay? That's not something I need to know from me. It's fine. I, I don't need to. I'm not going to like, be like, oh, I have something to do tonight. That's not happening. Either way, so when he went that, when he went for that, that goblet, right, there was like one part where there was like the leap of faith. Do you remember it? Right? If you didn't see it, you're even better than me. So you're much greater than me. But there was that one where you had to walk on, and it, there was a stone path, but it looked like it was nothing. It looked like it was invisible. That's how I... I know, I know, I know, I know. I shouldn't. But that's how he pictured this Gemara, where Rabbi Kiva saw an entire thing that seemed to be water, but it really was stone. And if you just took one step, you were there, and Rabbi Kiva said, don't say that it's water. It's not. It's stone. I think Rabbi Kiva got it from Steven Spielberg. I'm not positive, but I'm pretty sure that's where he got it from. I'm 99% sure. Oh, yeah, such happy courses. Either way, regardless, it's possible that that's the, the idea, the, conce- the, the, the idea. Rabbi Kiva said, you get fooled by your eyes. You get fooled by them. You think something is so. Then Zoma was fooled by his eyes, and that's why he couldn't get up there. He thought Shemaim is different from Aretz. It's not. Shemaim is Aretz. It can be done together. You just have to learn how to use it, utilize it properly to make a bracha and bring down Kedusha to this earth. When you do that, you can bring Shefa back up to Shemaim, so to speak. You can do that yourself. Ben Zoma didn't get that. There's a Turi and an Emek Sheila over here, but they don't go into this specific thing. But that was the Mashiach. I think that's a brilliant answer to try to figure out why Ben Zoma went off. That's the concept behind it. The Torah Tamima says... And I'll tell you, I, I agreed with this story to Mimo. We see that animals that aren't neutered, are, as we said before, are impossible to work with. Why is this something the Torah is offering? Why is the Torah making it harder for us to work our fields? In other words, again, every person that has an animal working the fields has neutered their, their, their animal. It's done. So how are you going to do it? Well, you see that you use a non-Jew and then you go around. Like, why? Why, why is the Torah answering something which is so normal? So normal. You know how normal it is? Remember when Yaakov Avinu sent animals over to Esau? Remember? Were they equal amounts of males and females? Not even close. Not even close. You know why they weren't equal amounts? Because it's normal to have one working male right, that is able to be molded, and a bunch of females to have babies, and then all the other males were neutered so you could use them for work. 
That's what everyone did. So therefore, even Yaakov Avinu sent over one male with 10 females, 20 females, 30 females, whatever it was. That was normal. That's what you normally did. It's like, it's, if that's what Yaakov Avinu did, and it's what everybody had, why in the world is this usser? It's something that seems to be the way of the world. It seems to be Derech Eretz. And it doesn't seem like, and again, I, I don't know because I'm not a farmer and never been, but it doesn't seem like people actually kept this halacha. The Torah Zimir of Baruch lived 120 years ago. And he was saying, like, I don't get it. Like, we're just trying to get around it. What is the point? It's not like things change over the last 2,000 years. It's the exact same issue they have all the time. Who in the world here wouldn't give? I, wouldn't you give all the money in the world to neuter squirrels in Chicago? You wouldn't give that? If you lived in Eretz Yisrael, how much money would you pay to spay and neuter all the cats? Like, just send Bob Barker there. It, it, everything will be taken care of in like a day. It's so strange. Why is this usher? Why is this something that we usher? The Torah Shemima does not have an answer. It's something that really needs an answer. I get it. The concept of HaKadosh Baruch who doesn't want his world run that way. But we do it. Everyone does it. Everyone does it. The Torah Shemima says this is a normal thing. And it's obvious. It, it's like we're making ourselves suffer while making our animals work. Why are we doing that? It's not an answer that I can get to. I, I, he he blabs Sorachin at the very end. He says, I, I don't know. I don't have an answer for it. And I personally, I have an idea behind it. But it's a strange idea. It's a really, really strange idea. I'm not so sure... I have a real thing. Now let's get into the halacha itself about getting into this. When you, again, I don't want to say the when, but if you do, what happens? The Rambam in Hilchus Yisuri Bea Parak Tezayin says, anyone who does sirus gets malchus. You get malchus for giving sirus to an animal, even if you do it after it's been done once before, meaning if the animal had part of it, that area taken off, and you do more than that, like it got neutered and you decided to castrate it as well, or whatever, vice versa, anything extra that you do causes you to get malchus. You will get actual malchus for it, and that's that, even though it already had, can't have children, etc. It's learned in Menachos Nun Vavim Abeis, based on the wording of the Pasuk, etc. Spaying a female animal, in other words, making sure that a female animal is not able to give birth, is misaris. It's usser, according to the Rambam, but doesn't receive malchus. You don't get malchus for such a thing. So it still is usser, even by a female. A woman is allowed to drink such things, in other words, a kosi karin, they call it in the Shulchan Aruch, in order to stop herself from giving birth. A grama, when it comes to this, is questionable. There's a lot of questions regarding this. There's a huge minchas chinuch in the Aruch HaShulchan over here, and it's all learned out from the Gemara and Shabbos, Kuf Yudam Abeis and Kuf Yud Halachically, there may be issues with a woman drinking something or taking something in order to be misarizal, not physically, but rather through hormonally, etc., right, because her husband still has the chi of a puravu. There's Shilas about that. Rebchia's wife, after giving birth to twins, and it was a horrible, horrible birth, took a kos ikarin, right? Did not tell her husband. I don't think. It doesn't seem that way from the Gemara itself, right? But she took a kos shal ikarin and made sure that she wouldn't have any other children because of the pain that she went through. It might have been that she had two sets of twins, right? And because of the pain that she went through, she stopped over there. But that issue of what it is, I'm not going into how halakhically when a person can or can't, but the concept, why it would be a problem, even though kos shal ikarin, as a grumma, seems to be matured from the Rambam, why that's not matured automatically nowadays to just take birth control and just say I'm not going to have a baby, etc., is all because of the mitzvah of Puravu that deals with the husband and the woman is somewhat involved. That takes work and that's not for us for right now. The Rambam, the Rush, the Rashba, the Sefer Achinuch, and the Agos Maimonis 
all say that this is not one of the Sheva Mitzvahs B'nai Noach. The Sheva Mitzvahs B'nai Noach, obviously we all know, that's the big three, right? Gili, Rai, Shri, Chuzdam, And Aleph, Beis, Gimel, Dalet, Avram, Inachai, Birchus Hashem, you can't curse Hashem, Gezel is stealing, and Din, they have to have set up court systems. It is not, according to the Rambam, Rosh, Rosh, Basipra, Chinech, Anagos, Maimonis, it is not one of the Sheva Mitzvahs B'nai Noach, which means that a Goy could do this on their own. If a non-Jew feels like that's what they want to do, fine, you don't have to stop them, nothing. But the smog. The Sheiltis, the Ravachoygon, the Ravid, the Rabbeinu Hananel, and the Agos Ashri, and Bab Metzia of Zion Vav, says it does apply to non-Jews as well, that a non-Jew also would not be able to do this, would not be able to spare or neuter an animal itself. Everyone agrees, including the first Rishonim, everyone agrees across the board, you cannot tell a non-Jew to do it for you. You cannot go to a non-Jew and say, can you do it? You can't go to a veterinarian who is a non-Jew. It's very difficult. I don't know what veterinarians do that are Jewish. I asked a couple postkim about this. The postkim did not have great answers for me, but a veterinarian who becomes Jewish, most of your money comes from spaying and neutering animals. What do you do when it comes to that if you're the one doing it? I have no idea. I have absolutely no idea how they end up doing it. Again, if anybody knows a vet that knows, that's asked the halachic shiloh, that knows a post that knows, I don't get it. I, I, don't, I did, just haven't seen enough. That's the way to, to look at it over here. But either way, but everyone agrees, you cannot ask them to do it. You know there's a mira la'akum on Shabbos, right? Everybody's heard of a mira la'akum. You can't tell a non-Jew to turn on a light for you on Shabbos or to cook something on Shabbos, right? You're not allowed to do that. A mira la'akum Akum applies everywhere, not just Shabbos. It also applies regarding this, right? It also re- applies regarding this. And there's no way of saying, like, I can see, but it would be better if, you, <laughs> if the light was turned on. That doesn't apply by this because spaying and neutering is not like a light switch. I think that should be the quote of the night. So right there, right? Obviously, it's not there. I, I don't think you have to worry about stuff like that. If a person does harama, trickery, and asks a non-Jew to do it for him through trickery, right? By saying, like, I wish it would be and whatever, if anything like that, we find the person and you have to sell the animal that you got spayed or neutered. You'd have to sell the animal. It could be not by the female, but by the male, by the male definitely. You have to find him, make him sell the animal, but you could be makele and make him sell it to his son. You could sell it to his son or you could sell it to another person. You could even trade it with another animal, right? That you can do, but that you would be able to. The napkamina, between the two, two major opinion ideas, whether this is something that's a Sheva Mitzvah or not. Oh, as a side note, why would it be one of the Sheva Mitzvah there's a Gemara in, in Sanhedrin, Nun Vavim that mentions there are some other mitzvos that B'nai Noach have. One of them may be Sirus. Kishuf is also brought up over there. There's a couple that may be included in the Shev Mitzvah I know that it's not one of the big seven, but there are certain other mitzvos that non-Jews have, and one of them would be Sirus, possibly. And because of that, some paskin that way, the smog shilters, etc., right? Others paskin not that way. So, there is a, so that's that. So the Nafkamina, yeah. Why Sirius? I can't answer that. It's brought down in the Gemara over there, but it's, it's over there in Nunvav. Yeah. But if a guy already has such an ox, you can still buy one. You definitely ox. could. Yeah, you could buy an ox that's already spayed or neutered. But in doing so, if a Jews uh, buy oxen for that purpose, yeah. you're creating a market for it, and now you're, in essence, at, uh, getting the... So you're dealing with Grumma. If you're dealing with Grumma, it's usually going to be Mazard, especially because, well, we'll see. Let's get to the, the, the actual thing for the second. What's an alchemy? The napkin is, can you sell it to a non-Jew? Can you sell the animal to a non-Jew, right? And he can do whatever he wants with it. Can spay and neuter it and do whatever he wants with it and then buy it back from him. 
Again, it would have to be like selling chametz on Pesach. It cannot be that you're doing it on condition that he spays and neuters it and then you're buying it back. That you can't do. It would have to be like chametz on Pesach where it's a full sale, the person has it, and then buying it back. Can you or can't you? Well, according to the Rambam, the Rashba, the Rush, the Sefer HaChinuch HaGos, my is, you could. You could sell it to an Anjou because there's no Isser of Lifnei Iver L'Sitimichshol because it's not Usser for a Goy to do it. So there's no Lifnei Iver. But according to the others, the Smag, the Shiltus, the Ravid, the, Rash, the, the, the Rabbeinu Hanano and the Gos Ashri, well, that would be Usser. And the reason why it would be Usser is because they say it's a deal Raisa for a non-Jew to do it. So if you give it to the non-Jew in order to do it and you know the non-Jew is doing it, that's Lifnei Iver L'Sitimichshol. You can't put a stumbling block in front of them. So that's going to be a problem. Arach HaSholchan. In Hey Chavav, in Evan Ezer, Hey Sip Chavav says, you can do so. You're allowed to give it over to an Anjou because we paskin like the Rambam. Paskin like the Rambam, it's not usur for an Anjou to do. But there are opinions who say you can't. And because we hold like the Rova Postkin, you say you can, you can. But the base Shmuel is Machmer. And even the Orach HaSholchan says, I'm not going to tell people to do it. The base Shmuel, who is the, the safer, he's like the Shachan Taz in Evan Ezer. The base Shmuel says in Hei Tezvav that we should be Machmer and not sell the animal to an Anjou. So you shouldn't. So the Orach HaSholchan was trying to be makel that you could sell it to an Anjou. But since the base Shmuel is Machmer, like the other postkim, he says, all right, oh, we'll go with the other postkim. And therefore you cannot sell it to an Anjou to go ahead and then buy it back afterward. Even so, the Orach HaShulchan says, and really it's brought down by the Ramah as well. The Orach HaShulchan says, everyone would agree, if the non-Jew that buys the animal from you, then gives it or sells it to another non-Jew, then there's no problem. Because even if it's Usr Medio Raisa for a non-Jew to do, you're Mechuyiv on Lifnei Iver Lositi Mechuyiv, you can't give it to a non-Jew to do. But there's no such thing as Lifnei de Lifnei. I don't have to worry about a non-Jew giving it to another non-Jew. So therefore, if that happens, then you could be makel in that case. You could be makel to be able to do such a thing. And that's called lifnei lifne. You wouldn't have to worry. There's no such thing as shlichus by a non-Jew. So because of that, you don't have to worry about shlichus of messengership and doing stuff like that. This is also brought by the Ramah in Evan Ezra Simon Hayesif Yadalid from the Trumas Adeshim. But his case is a little bit different. The Ramah is not talking about where a Jew wants to do it. He's talking about where something actually happens and you have to stop the non-Jew from giving it to another non-Jew. Jew, no worry about that. Ha'elif Shlomo says, you would also be able to send an animal with a non-Jew to give it to another non-Jew in order to do serious because no shlichus bagayim. There are some others that are makel, right? The chuvis maram shik, the chavuz yayer, nonetheless. So what do you do? You buy a dog. First of all, it's preferable. I mean, it's preferable not to buy a dog that's going to have this problem or going to need this problem. That if you are planning on spaying or neutering a dog before you're buying it or a cat or whatever it is, it's preferable not to deal with this issue in the first place. Just get a dog or cat that already was spayed or neutered. That way you don't have to worry about the issue whatsoever. If you're doing it for whatever reason, like let's just say that the case is, right, that you have to get a, a seeing eye dog. So you need to get a dog in some sort. Now you want to make sure that it's not going to have babies, etc., or cause others to have babies, etc. It doesn't, you want it to be someone like that. Usually they're already spayed or neutered. But let's just say it's not, right, can you get it? There's a Shiloh. The Arach HaShulchan is makel with lifne de lifne, but even he is not so makel where he's like, yeah, go and do it. Still, there would be a kanas in such a case if you're doing it on purpose in order to get around it. He would say that way, but if it's absolutely necessary, then the way to do it is lifne to lifne. That's the way to get around it. But again, it's to get around it. It's not the actual thing. Yeah, what are you going to say? What if the animal is ill in this part of the body? Ill with sickness? 
Give me a second with that. Yeah, yeah, obviously. If there's a reason to do it, then we'll all do it. Yeah, that's 100%. So give me a second when it comes to that. Some even say that you can make a partnership in the animal. Allow a non-Jew to be a partner with you in this animal and that he can decide whether he wants to be spayed or neutered or not because the, the non-Jew can make that decision. I just find it really strange. If you're paying for the surgery, right, to go ahead and do it, but your partner's with the non-Jew and the non-Jew is making the decision, I, that's just strange. Again, what do we do? We can ask you to sell the animal. You can sell it to your kid who's older, you know, a little bit older, but nonetheless, right, you have a little bit of a problem with it. I wouldn't be so happy with it. Again, I wouldn't paskin in this case. I would give it over to a bigger rov, right? But lifne to lifne is the way that the Aruch HaShulchan says it when it comes into something like this. The smog, the goes hashri, all of those would argue you cannot do that. You can't make the partnership because, again, that's a deal, right? So a partnership with a non-Jew wouldn't work in that case. The Balaturim says this Pasuk is right next to the words Umiyad ben Nechor. Umiyad ben Nechor from a non-Jew to tell you that it's usher to even ask a non-Jew to do it. It's Mamish from the Pasuk according to the Balaturim. He says that it's from right over here and he goes into it. The base Shlomo, it's a Shalos Jew is safer. He says that there was a city where everyone who owned roosters, they would, obviously, what's the issue with roosters? The biggest issue? I would assume this is the one that they do it the most by. What would be the issue by roosters? Nobody wants chicken eggs with little babies inside them. You know, you crack an egg and you see a little baby, you're like, oh, no, you're not. You're like, oh, where's my omelet? That's all you're thinking, right? So that, that's really disgusting. So the roosters were usually misarist. They got rid of them. So there was an entire city where they were doing it and they were all selling the roosters to a non-Jew who would then be misarist and give it right back to the Jew. So he was asked about this, the Beis Shlomo, and said, what do you do? The Beis Shlomo was makel. Since it already happened, exchange chickens with one another. Everybody should exchange roosters. You take your rooster and give it to your friend. That guy gives your rooster, whatever, and everybody give one to the other and that should be fine and that's it. But he doesn't say whether he would allow them to do it in the future. Halaf Lechashomu doesn't say whether he allows them to do it in the future. I don't know anybody who's monitoring this lechatchila lechatchila. But again, okay, if it needs to be, a person says, I need a, what do they call them again? Those animals that, you need, that people are all arguing about whether you can bring them on planes or not. A comfort animal, is that what they're called? Companion. companion animal. That's a companion animal? No, it's not companion. It is. It's comfort something, isn't it? I don't know. Comfort companion animal. If something like that, it, that might be a little bit of it. I, that's something that you can ask, you know, you ask somebody and you can figure out what's going to be over there. Now, what about fish? Does this apply to fish? Because what's the wording that we learn this all animals and everything? It comes to the word, and if you ask me, how are you going to neuter a spay of fish? Well, think of it this way. The Torah says that Fish live in the sea. Whales and dolphins and porpoises and all mammals that are in the sea would technically be considered fish by the standards of the Torah. So if those would be considered fish, and it says the anything in your land, does that include fish as well? Would that include that? So I have a ride. Baba Basra Ayin Dalit of Abayz says that Kadosh Baruch Hu took out the Livyasan and was misarisit. He was misarisit. He killed, he euthanized the female and was misaris the male. Was misaris the male. So we see that you could be misarious a fish. A fish should be okay, but it's not a raya. You know why? Because right there in that Gemara, it says the behemoth baharayel, this behemoth animal, Shem did the exact same thing, and he was misarious the male. So that doesn't work, obviously. If he was misarious the male animal, then it's not going to work. It should be the exact same thing as a fish itself, I would assume. It must be that somehow Hashem did it in a way that's mutter. Like, you're allowed to take away the comb of a rooster. You know, they have that red thing, right? If you cut it off, then the rooster no longer has a desire to be together with a female. I don't know that. It's, again, not Farmer Tzvi over here. I have no clue. But if you cut it off, he said maybe they did that by the Bahamas Bari Elef or by the Livyasun, so in a way that's mutter, but that's no raya from over there. So if Yaakov Emden, in Shuvis Chilak Aleph Simen Kuf Yid Aleph, 
says it's certainly also, and he says it should be obvious. I don't understand why it's even Akasha. The word Ba'artzachem is not excluding anything. Ba'artzachem is including people. If it's including people, then certainly you'd think that it includes fish. He said, I don't understand why it's Akasha in the first place. That's where Yaakov Emdin's looking at it. Minchas Chinuch Mitzvah number 291, as we mentioned up above, says the reason for the mitzvah would indicate that you can't be misarized any animal because it's all the same issue. What's the issue? Hashem wants these animals to propagate. Hashem wants these animals throughout the world. Why would that be different? Be different between a bird or an animal or a fish. It all should be the exact same thing. There shouldn't be a difference between all of them. So according to the Mechaz should be the exact same way. The Malbim argues. Malbim says, no. Artsechem means your land, not fish. Fish would be mutter. He says there shouldn't be an issue whatsoever. Rav Yosef Engel and Gilyoni Ashas also says the word Eretz excludes the sea. In the Gemara and Chul and Kuf Abeis, right? The, chul, the word over there says the word Eretz excludes the mouse of the sea. I guess that means a sea lion or something. Right? But the mouse of the sea is excluded from that word Eretz. So you'd assume the same would apply to fish over here. That fish would not be included in the sister and therefore you would be able to be Misaris or uh, whatever, spay, a fish if that was possible, according to both the Malbim and Rav Yosef Engel. Yeah. If he's saying Artsakhan is your physical land, then that sounds like he should also say that it's only true in Eretz Yisrael or something. No, because Artsakhan, we already took it out from that because the Chovza Guf. So you're still going to have the Chovza Guf issue to take it away from just being in Eretz Yisrael. But Artsakhan still means on the land, every animal on the land. So therefore, it could be any land, right? Not just Eretz Yisrael, but. It has to be on the land. Seemingly, that's what it would be. We'll end up with one thing over here. The Arach HaSholchan says, and this is true halacha when it comes to everything. I know people have this problem with Tzar Balechaim. Isn't it Tzar Balechaim? Tzar Balechaim is only when you have intention to pain the animal. If you have no intention to pain the animal, that's not your intention. You have to do it for another reason, right? Then it should be perfectly fine. So if it's necessary, so for health reasons, like you mentioned before, Noah, right? If you have health reasons to take care of this animal and be misarized, 100% mutter. There is no problem whatsoever. That obviously deals with human beings as well. There's no question that if human beings need it for whatever reason, it's 100% mutter to be able to get up there. That's not up for debate. That's 100% mutter. As a side note, this Swedish, this is Rabbi Yechiel Yaakov Weinberg. Maybe you heard of the Swedish before. He was a fa- bunch of famous chuvas. He was in the Warsaw ghetto. He was able to escape the war, he moved to Switzerland. He lived in Switzerland until he died in 1966. He says in Sif Zion. he says, although Tsar Balachim is Dil Raisa, possibly Dil Raisa, it's Machlokas in the Gemara, and it's possibly Dil Raisa, but Metziah, the only Isra is again when you intend to injure the animal. If there's any toelis in causing pain to the animal, then it's Mutter. And here's the toelis. What if you want to do testing on an animal in order to see what the effects would be on a human being? Are you allowed to do testing? About to do animal testing. And he says, Sarbalachayim, right? Sarbalachayim, you can't give pain to an animal. He says, not shyeth if there's a possibility that for human beings you'll have some type of toelis. If human beings will gain from it in some refuadic way, in some way out there, you should not hesitate, he says. It should be done lechatchila. Doctors should lechatchila test anything they can in animals. That's what they're supposed to be doing because it helps human beings. So although this whole time we're trying to say that a Kaddish Baruch who is helping out the animals, trying to make sure that they don't get spayed or neutered so that they can have puravu and that they can have other species, etc. Human beings come first. He says. And if for whatever reason we need to test things on animals, 100% you are allowed to and you should in order to find out what the effect would be on human beings. We should stop with that for right now. Our idea was what Ba'aretzakam Losasu is. We spoke about first what the Isser is. We spoke about why the reason for it. And we mentioned the Menchah and the Ibn Ezra. We went through the Gemara and Chagiga, Yudalit and Mabez. And then we went through the Halakha of what we do nowadays and how. Shkayach everybody. Have a great Shabbos.